Welcome to Following Jesus, six Wednesday evenings once a month to practically help and inspire us in our relationship with God. A number of years ago we were building uh, the church over in Hedge End and we were building it ourselves and so we were doing uh, a lot of the internal work um, and uh, I learned a lot of my DIY uh, skills uh, in those, those moments and um, there was a guy uh, there, he's now actually gone to be with the Lord, but Ron, Rocket Ron we used to call him, and um, uh, Ron was slightly uh, hard of hearing, and uh, so we had this one day Saturday where we're doing a lot of work around the, uh, around the building, and we're painting the windows ourselves, so we've bought these wooden frames, they're not fitted, but we're going to paint them ourselves with saddling, okay, the the real stuff. And so we talk about it. We said, this is what we're going to do. A number of people are going to do this. People volunteering. Yeah, yeah, I'll do that. I'll varnish some of those windows. And uh, Ron is, is listening, or we think he's listening. And um, so we let them loose and say, off you go. And, and we find out about two hours later that, uh, that Ron has, uh, instead of varnishing the windows with, uh, with saddling, he's, he's done it with fence creosote. And so this whole window is sort of like, you know, we spend ages, we we spend weeks trying to clean it up, get all the creosote off so we can properly treat it. One of the real dangers is, you see, is when Jesus says, follow me, we need to hear what he says, we need to know what he's saying to us, and we need to do uh, what he's calling us to do. Jesus challenges, follow me, we need to follow him and listen to what he says. Tonight we're going to see how we can encounter God through the gospel and how we can help others to do the same. Every week of following Jesus, we've been doing an interactive Bible study together and tonight's going to be no different. We're going to see how through any Bible passage we can encounter God and understand something more of the gospel. So before we focus on a few key verses, I want you to grasp some of the backstory of this passage And uh, so I'm going to read a long portion of this passage so you you get it, because sometimes I've asked questions and you've gone, well, we don't know the backstory. Tonight I want you to hear the backstory, so this is it from John chapter 9. So Jesus is walking close, he's in Jerusalem, and this is what happens. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. He spat on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they demanded. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed And then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the man the Pharisees who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. 
A second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple, and they threw him out. Jesus heard that they'd thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, who do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you've now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. These are the four verses out of that passage that we're going to be looking at briefly together tonight. They're from verses 24 to 27. I'll quickly read them again. A second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Tonight, we're going to learn together the importance of having personally experienced the power of the gospel if we're going to be effective in helping others encounter God. Every time we've been together, we've said that when we read a passage, the first thing we ought to ask ourselves is, what is that all about? If we don't ask questions, we're going to miss what the Bible has to say to us. You see, the Bible is God speaking to a world that's turned its back on him. And whilst most people think the Bible out there is irrelevant, nothing could be further from the truth. It reveals God's heart of love for the world that he created. The story of the Bible is one of the true gods who wants people to know him through his son Jesus. And God's desire is that we appreciate the wonder of what Jesus has done for us so that we can help others come into a relationship with him. And so what is a great question for us to ask. Every time we're using the first letters of what as an acrostic to help us unpack the passage that we're looking at. You can see that set out at the top of page three of your worksheet. What provokes us to ask questions? What was happening then? How are things different now? How can I apply the passage to my life? And today I'm going to do something with what I've learnt. How can we really understand what was happening when John wrote about this man's encounter with Jesus? Well, it's easy to miss some of the relevance to us as individuals and as a church. This passage contains some really helpful insights for us as well as being hugely challenging. But the impact can be lost and sometimes when we read something we can, we can think, I don't really quite get what's going on. And so I'm suggesting that we can use some tools and some resources that will help us to unpack what this passage is all about. I've previously suggested about using a study Bible which uh, contains a brief synopsis of each book of the Bible. Alternatively, we can pick up a commentary of, of the relevant book. And in this case, two I'd recommend are firstly uh, Phil Moore's Straight to the Heart of John 
which is, uh, great. this is a great uh, commentary uh, that you can use as a daily devotional just to uh, unpack some of these passages in John. And the second is D.A. Carson's commentary in the Pillar series. That's more in-depth study of the Gospel of John. So what was happening then? In groups of three or four, I just want you to have a chat about what was happening when this man encountered Jesus. Ask yourself one or two of the following questions. Who initiated this incident? What did the man know about Jesus? Why do you think Jesus put mud on his eyes and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam? Why did this man's healing generate such interest? Why were the religious leaders so wound up? Just have a think around some of those things and just a brief chat for a few moments. You don't have to answer all the questions, but just have a think about what was going on. Just a few moments. Okay. I just want us to learn together how we can unpack a passage like this. Here are a few of my thoughts to those questions. They're not exhaustive answers. You may have better answers than this. You may, uh, you may come up with something sharper than this. But as I thought about it, this man was born blind from birth. He was expecting nothing. He didn't even know that Jesus had seen him. I mean, God is doing the impossible here. This previous chapter is about where Jesus is declaring he's the light of the world and it's he's brings spiritual light into people's darkness. You see, there's no evidence this man knew anything about Jesus. He's not like blind Bartimaeus who hears Jesus is coming and starts shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. This guy doesn't even know Jesus is there. Think about this. Jesus didn't need to spit on the ground and make some mud, put it on the man's eyes. He simply could have said, eyes be opened. There was nothing special about the mud or the spit. Why did he tell him to go to the pool of Siloam? I mean, there must have been a water trough nearby. The water in Siloam wasn't special. The man was blind, so why prolong the incident, make it more difficult for him? He knew he was going to heal him. Jesus is clearly looking for a response of faith in the man's heart. I mean, Jesus, think about this, Jesus isn't even there when the man regains his sight. The man doesn't rush back to find Jesus. He simply goes home seeing. The fuss all starts when the neighbors start to ask questions. It's the neighbors who want to find Jesus and they're the ones who get the religious leaders involved. And the Pharisees, when they get involved, they're more concerned about their religious rules being broken than the blind man regaining his sight. In moments like this, you find out what's really important to people. So how are things different now? How are things different now? Are things different in the world that we live in today? Well, here are some of my thoughts on it. The world we live in is no different. There are very few people in our society who are actually looking for God's help in their needy lives. Most people, like the man that we've just read read about, are blind to their own predicament. And so we just need to know every day is an opportunity for us. 
Jesus himself says, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. That's what he said. And so Jesus has sent us, so we must be like him. Most people that we interface with have no idea who Jesus is. Many of them don't even believe in the existence of God. Knowing about Jesus is not enough. Even the devil believes in God, we're told in James chapter 2. The demons believe in God. God's good news requires a response of faith, just like this man. It's God who brings about this full impact of the gospel in someone's life. Like Jesus, we don't need to push people or coerce. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. It's really interesting that Jesus' interaction with this guy is very limited to the beginning and the end of the story. The gospel of grace still offends people today. Still offends people. It's going to offend people. Too many religious people have rules that Jesus isn't the slightest bit interested in keeping. Things are not really that different. Let's have a look at applying this passage together. We need to apply it to ourselves. So, these first verses, the second time they summoned the man who'd been blind. You see, the first time they'd summoned him, uh, he was asked how he'd received his sight. I mean, then the Pharisees are concerned because uh, their view of Jesus, he's a sinner, he's broken the Sabbath, but they've got a problem. How can Jesus work an undeniable miracle? So they ask the man what he's got to say, and the man just says, but he's a prophet. Is he a follower of Jesus at that point? Well, just because... Someone's encountered Jesus and he's impacted their life. It doesn't mean they're clear on who Jesus is. The Pharisees won't believe there's been a miracle, so they send for the guy's parents who confirm he's, he was blind, but they want to avoid any association with Jesus. Miracles don't often have the impact we expect. Listen to this, okay? Voltaire. French philosopher said this, if in the market of Paris before a thousand people and myself a miracle should happen, I would rather disbelieve the 2,000 eyes and my own than believe a miracle had happened. Miracles are only a sign that point to Jesus. They are not the end in themselves. The greatest miracle is a personal encounter with Jesus. And the Pharisees just will not believe. The provocation for this man moving on in his faith is not the one that we'd expect. He isn't in the temple worshipping. He's in a court. He's in a courtroom setting and yet God uses even that situation to draw this guy on in his faith. God will even use people who are antagonistic to Jesus. The devil means it for harm, but somehow the genuine seed of the gospel keeps growing in this man's heart. Sometimes we get so anxious about people that we try and we want to protect them from stuff. Oh no, if they hear that, they're not going to go any further. When the gospel has got hold, when God is working in someone's life, we need to trust God to keep working. Jesus allows this seed to keep growing. Notice that those around this man are saying, you can relate to God 
but you don't need to have anything to do with Jesus. I mean, give glory to God. We know this man's a sinner. That is the devil's great lie. You don't need Jesus. God is a God of love. Everything will be all right in the end. All religions lead to God. It's the great, this is one of the devil's great lies. Jesus is central. Have a look at these, this next bit. He replied, this is really interesting. Whether this, he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. I mean, this man responds to the challenge of who Jesus is in a really intimidating environment. He's called to be a witness in a courtroom setting. What's a witness? A witness is a person who makes a statement about what they've seen or know has happened. Anybody can be a witness as long as you've got personal experience. This guy has had a personal encounter. And the challenges to our faith, like this man, often come at the most intimidating moments when we don't want them to happen. We've always got to be ready to give an answer to those who ask us for the reason of the hope that we have. That's what Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. We need to do it with gentleness and respect. Notice what the man doesn't do. He doesn't talk about things that he doesn't know anything about. He doesn't answer questions he doesn't know the answer to. He simply says, I don't know. I don't know. You can only be a witness to something that you've seen, experienced, or know. But what this guy does do, he focuses on the one thing that he knows. I was blind, but now I see. We only ever have to be witnesses to something that we've experienced or we've seen or we know is true ourselves. The power of a personal testimony is huge. No one can argue with your testimony, what you've encountered. I was talking to someone at a wedding not so long ago, a father of a friend of mine. And this uh, friend of mine had had an encounter with God one night as a, uh, in his early 20s. And he went home to his parents and he said, God spoke to me in the night and I've become a Christian. And his dad was telling me this, this is 25 years ago. He said, I don't know what happened. He said, in that bedroom upstairs, he said, I still don't understand it. He said, but I can't argue with it because my son's life has changed, but I don't get it. I, I, can, I can get God, but I said, I don't get this Jesus thing. This is an older man, 25 years on, listening. But he can't argue with his son's test because it's changed his son's life. No one can argue with your story. And that's what really wound up the Pharisees. You see, your, your story will not bless everyone who hears it. You'll be a, you're the aroma of Christ amongst those being saved and those perishing. But to the one, it's the smell of death. And to the other, it's the fragrance of life. Last bit. The listeners are clearly becoming exasperated. They don't want to accept the implications of who Jesus is. And nothing has changed over the centuries. You see, if someone accepts who Jesus is, there is an obligation for them to give their lives to him. And people don't want to do that. In this incident, we see this man's boldness. He just gets fed up with them. He gives them a personal challenge and the the angry response of the Pharisees actually draws the man closer to Jesus. 
You'd think that in that environment, he would get intimidated. He doesn't. He, he says, I've told you already, you didn't listen. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? I mean, what? I, I mean, there's something going on in this man's heart. He gets thrown out of the temple. He's effectively excommunicated. Jesus, at this moment, draws near to him again. Jesus hasn't been around since the beginning of the incident where he heals him. And this man comes through to faith in Jesus, personal faith. He says, Lord, I believe. And he worships him. This is the man's journey. Listen to this. He starts off in verse 11, the man they call Jesus. Verse 17, he's a prophet. By verse 30 in the story, he opened my eyes. By verse 33, he's from God. By verse 38, Lord, I believe. And then he worshipped him. The story of this man coming to faith is full of twists and turns. Jesus is only with him physically for a few moments. And there must have been moments in the intervening period where he thought, I wonder where Jesus has gone. Sometimes he can seem far away to people who are on a journey to faith. Today, how can we apply this to ourselves? What are we going to do in response to this? I want to challenge each of us about spending time every day reminding ourselves of the gospel. Do you get up every day and thank God for what he's done in your life, that for saving you? Do you remind yourself of how undeserving you were, that you were spiritually blind, and that it was God who came looking for you? You weren't even thinking about it. He came and found you. You, weren't even, you didn't even see him coming towards you. He was so gracious to you as you came to faith. When you get up in the morning and you thank yourself for what he's been doing in your life, think about what you can be a witness of, what he has done for you in these last days, maybe weeks. What has Jesus done for me? How has he helped me? You can be a, a, a witness of what he's done for you in just these last weeks and months. Do you get up every morning, pray for boldness to be a witness in your situations, whether it's with work or a Uh, with neighbours or with people you meet on the street. What changes do you know need to happen if you're going to follow Jesus more effectively? Is it about your devotion, spending more time with him, keeping a record of what he's done for you? How can our witness be better? What do I need to do to make that happen? How can we help each other in this? Maybe it's about spending some time thinking about that, journaling, praying, Sharing with one another. With every passage that we read, we should be able to do the same. Whether we have 10 minutes or half an hour, we should be able to read a passage of Scripture and we should be able to come up with one wonderful thing that God has done in the gospel for us. Wonderful thing of the God's grace that we can be a witness to. Here are some resources that will help us grow in being a witness of the gospel as we follow Jesus together. I'm recommending a book called A Wind in the House of Islam by David Garrison. It's been recommended a few times. It's really provoking about God seeking out people who are not even thinking about him and some of them don't even know who he is. 
There's a sermon series worth listening to that we did last summer about the life-changing impact of the gospel uh, as people are encountered by Jesus, rich man, poor man, beggar man, thief. And finally, there's a great book and TVD series which I've used many years ago called Just Walk Across the Room by Bill Hybels. I mean, it is brilliant to demonstrate all we need to do is to take time to build relationships we don't know. And as we do that, as we build friendships with them by just walking across the room, talking to people we wouldn't naturally uh, perhaps talk to, We are being witnesses of the God who walked across the cosmos to come and find us. And there are links to all of those from the website. So I'm going to ask Jonathan now to come and introduce you to someone and uh, going to share a story. Tita, would you come up and join me, please? Tita is married to Damon, who's over there. And uh, they have two children, is that right? Yes, Helena and Alex. So, Tita, do you want to tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up and so on? Yeah, well, I think most people know that I'm from Finland. If you don't know, you will. I don't keep that very secret when I talk to people. Um, Yeah, well, so I I grew up in Finland. I come from a non-Christian background. My parents were not Christians. I did find that there is a one um, great grandmother who used to pray apparently a lot so she might have prayed for me as well um, uh, to make it a bit short as the story I um, always wanted to go abroad so I tried to jump straight away how I ended up coming in England I um, I didn't speak many languages I, I didn't well I mainly speak Finnish and um, I found that there was a Finnish German family was looking for for the um, nanny to look after their children speaking Finnish to them so that was I thought that's my way to go to abroad and uh, I was being well I was being an au pair on that family and um, the family also provided me for German language course so um, in that language I went to that's how I met Damon we went to same language course and um, and and obviously that relationship blossomed uh, yeah. As we can, as we can see, I think we've rather given the game away, haven't we? Really? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, um, cutting a bit shorter in there as well. That's we we moved together in England. We neither of us were Christians, and um, uh, we moved to Swindon first. It was my exciting first place of living in England. I thought everywhere was like Swindon. I thought this is lovely, and <laughs> and. Um, and we, we got married. We actually got married in Finland. We came back here then. And um, then we uh, moved quite a lot around. Damon's job took us many places. So we moved around in um, England quite a bit. But then we also we moved to um, Belgium, where Helena was born in then that time. So. Um, and was there was a big Finnish community in, in Belgium? Yeah, that's right. It was, I was involved with, um, yeah, there were so many Finnish people. They felt like I was in a family in a way in, in there. And um, yes. Okay. So. so where does Winchester come into this story? You grew all over the place. Yeah. So we, we came back and then we, we um, went back to London. But soon Damon got his job in Winchester. And that's why we, how we end, end up in, in Winchester then. And when you arrived here, 
Did did you know anyone? Yeah, so uh, that's that's where we came. As I had, I'd mentioned already that I had the, a lovely community in in the Brussels where we lived. Finnish people around, and and I didn't even think that I wouldn't have not be able to make any friends. Or but we really, it was so hard when we moved here. I didn't get to meet anybody. I I felt so lonely that I've never been in my life when we moved here, and um, and I. I I was pregnant for, for for our son Alex. Then, I do remember when I was when we were in our house and I was sitting in there and I said, "Damon, what in earth have we done? What are we doing in here?" And um, so, so what what was it that happened that changed that? Well, that's many of you know uh, Poppy Spence, and she used to be a health visitor. And um, because Helena was one year old then, so Poppy became a, um, our house to check that Helena was all all right. And then she was asking so. Is there anything else you want to know? And um, I said, I just, I don't, I would like to maybe go somewhere to meet some other people, or, or, to, or is there any toddler groups or anything? And that's when uh, Poppy said, Well, there is this Tots and Tinies group in the Stanmore Lane, and it was very near us. So she said, If you want to go and have a look. So this was a lady from Winfam, from the church here. Yeah, that's right. Who yeah. invited you along or told you about? What, she, I guess it's the precursor to the arc that we're running here that's back right. in Stanmore Lane. Yeah, that's right. So I did. So did you go along? Yes, I did go. It took a bit bravery to go, but I just thought I will go. And um, I have to say that in um, there are a few people here who were on those olden days in the Tots and Tinies. There was a lovely community from the Stan called Stanmore Mums, and they sit down the one. They took the one corner of the. Um, this was all in Stanmore Lane, and they all sit on the one corner. And when I came first time, I didn't know anybody. People were quite friendly on the door and said, hello, yes, yes, you have come in the right place, that's all. And I just thought, okay, well, I'll go and sit down. I went to sit down this corner, but none of the Stanmore mums had arrived yet. So um, I, I sat down there. Helena got really excited about all the toys, and she was she was playing. And I tell you, these all these Stanmore mums made soon arrived, and they did make me know that actually, oh, you you are sitting in the wrong place. This is our corner, <laughs> and uh, and it was terrifying. I just don't know. I felt their eyes on my on my side, and I just thought, I just let Helena to play a little bit, and as soon as she had had enough, we just go, and I will never ever come back here. And um, but I was rescued as as we were leaving. I was rescued in the door. There was um, Julia who was sitting in there. Julia and Heather Miller started to talk to me, and they were ever so friendly. And I thought, actually, this is not that bad after all. Maybe I'll come again. So. Um, and so did you? You kept coming, and you you got to know these people a bit better. Or? Yeah, that's that's where it all started to happen. Then I I started um, I kept coming, and um, I started to slowly make friends and. Um, and I do remember sitting in uh, in there in uh, one of the chairs on the side of the uh, Stanmore Lane, and uh, and I was watching the people who were there, and I was just thinking that what is about them? Why are they so different? And there's something different about them. And I was thinking, particularly Julia, sister. Sorry to spot you, Julia, but we had same. Our children were almost the same age by date, and. Um, and we had very everything backgrounds were, you know, kind of materialistic things were very similar. So I was just thinking that, what is it? We have everything is same. It sounds very, very, um, I don't know, materialistic to think about that. What you know? Oh, if she have a, if we have a similar car, that must be. I didn't totally look like that, but I just thought there was something different because everything else seemed the same, but there was something 
something different about so, them. So that, what you're saying is that so they had all the same things as you, but there was something else yeah. that they had yes. that you noticed. Yeah. So soon I found that um, Julia was going to church. Then I started to find some of the other people, they were going to the church. And I thought, and they are going to church as well. I would never believe that. And um, I think it was just my picture of the people who go, it's um, terrible to say now, but it's just that sort of picture I had about in my head, what are the people who go to church like and it started to change and I started to become very curious about um, people then. Uh-huh. So, so you found out they all, all these nice people went to church. And, yes. And, and so what effect did that have on you in terms of what you were going to do? Um, yeah, well, I, I, I was started to, um, well, I wanted to know what, what this is all about. What, in, in what, are, what is this going to church thing is? What, what is it that they, there is something... There is something more about it than just going to the church. And um, and the funny thing was that I really wanted to know, but I didn't know what to ask, and nobody wasn't telling me anything. <laughs> so um, It was a secret. It, it was. It was a best-kept secret, and I think that probably made me even more wanted to know because nobody wasn't bashing me with the Bible or anything. It was just, I just... I said, what, what is it? I, I, one of friend, friend of mine I talked afterwards, they, they, they were all terrified to talk to me too much because they were thinking that I would be uh, frightened away. So, um, <laughs> so it was in a funny way. I wanted to know, and they were scared to tell me. So, um, they <laughs> so. I hope you're making notes on this. <laughs> um, so, so what was the thing that started things moving? That someone gave you something, didn't it? Uh, yeah, it was, actually, it was coming to Christmas, and... Um, Sorry, Julie, I'm going to pick you up again. But you gave me the book. You gave me the book. And um, it really meant so much to me. It was the first ever Christian book I was given to. And, um, yeah, so... Um, and do you remember what it was? Yeah, it was um, Mary, Mother of Jesus by Wendy Worko. It might sound funny, but actually that book meant a lot to me because I was reading it and I, I thought I was actually very touched that actually I was given the Christian book. And uh, I thought, this, this is about now this thing that they're doing. But when I was reading it, didn't, it was quite difficult to read in the first because I didn't quite understand. It was almost a language. I couldn't understand the language. So, but, so what did you do next? So you're having sort of read that, you, yeah, you needed to find out more. Yeah, so I found, well, I found out more. Actually, Wendy Worker says in that book that it was that book, when even it was about the Mary, it really drew her closer to, to Jesus yeah. and actually that book was pointing me towards to Jesus and, yeah. um, and that's when I was moving forward then um, yeah actually I was walking with my friend in a, in a park and um, that was Fiona Marsland and these were all my tots and tinies friends there was a whole f- like football team playing around me almost and, um, and then I suddenly thought I had enough now I want to, I t- I want to now know and I just say to her that, um, listen, I, I really want to know how do you then become this Christian? How are you going, you know, what, how does it happen? You know, do you just wake up one morning and you are one or what happens? And, um, and Fiona say, what? <laughs> and she said, um, yeah, you just have to pray. You have to say you are sorry. Um, you, you, you have to um, admit that Jesus died for your sins, and then you have to ask him to your life. And I say, yeah, okay, I want to do that. And she say, what? <laughs> <laughs> I say, 
And uh, this is all in the park, incidentally. Yeah, yeah. So we we're still in a park. We ha- we came with two cars because we were coming from the different places, and we met in there. And then Vina said that, well, um, you you mean right now, and you, you mean you you really want to? I say, yeah, yeah. So I, I I want to pray. Yeah. So then she said, well, let's let's go in our house and let let's do it there. Well, Fiona told me afterwards that she was um, she was trying driving, she nearly driving uh, off the road because she was in the in the phone with Paul and say, "What do I do? What do I do?" She wants to become what do I do? So um, it's great, isn't it? <laughs> so, so anyway, so, so we we went to her house. We went in her kitchen table corner. Still remember it totally. And um, and I said, I don't know how to pray. I have no idea what you say. So she said, oh, please just. If you repeat after me, and you do it, and so I prayed the prayer there. That's it. And that was it? Um, So so what happened next? Yeah, so I didn't really, I didn't feel anything happened. And uh, the funniest thing, though, I went the next day, I went to church. It wasn't Tots and Tinies, but I had to go and do something else in there, to pick up something or something. And everybody knew. They all came to say to me, how fantastic, what a brilliant thing. You, oh, you've done it. Well done, well done. And I just thought, how do they, first of all, how do they all know? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and second, uh, why are they so excited? I mean, I knew it was something, you know, it's, it, it was meant a lot to me, but I didn't know how they were so excited. So, um, yeah, they, they just seemed very happy. Okay, so you then you then pressed on uh, in your faith, and did it become more real to you? Or? Yeah, that's that's when um, then Julia. I'm going to mention you again, but Julia called me, and and actually, current Alpha had already started, and Julia said to me that would you like to come? The first week is already gone, so never be frightened to ask somebody to Alpha course, even if it started, because of, um, I didn't start in the beginning, but it ended up being ever so. I mean, I couldn't wait. Every Tuesday it was so. Um, so exciting and actually I have to say that I think the best conversations were in the car on the way back from the uh, Alpha course so um, I was too shy to ask questions in there but I was loving the hearing when everybody else were talking and then when we were in the car we were talking with Julia so that was um, that was a big thing yeah and uh, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit yeah that was the Holy Spirit day on um, on the on that alpha. alpha course, and that's when I just really knew. I really knew that that's it, and um, that was really, really sp- special moment. Actually, when I prayed with Fiona, it was um, I didn't really think that it ha- everything happened. So I was given the White Jesus book, and I prayed probably hundred times. I prayed the prayer, and I'm just making you sure that um, God heard me. <laughs> I think He heard me in the first time. Though, so, yeah. so while all this was going on. Uh, what was what was Damon thinking about? What what was he making of all this? Yeah, he didn't know that I'm going to talk about him tonight as well. <laughs> um, it obviously Damon did realise that something really has happened. I did tell him that I became a Christian, and Damon said to me that I talked to you already were one, and I say no, it's it's I really happened. Uh, it was I started to go on church every Sunday, and and Damon did think that really thought that he lost his wife because he didn't know what happened to me and it was it was quite it was quite a difficult time in in many ways for I, I can really realize that how hard it must have been because I was just so excited about about Jesus so it was a um, hard time for Damon on that time but um, I think um, soon you 
we had the uh, cell group, it was called that time, community group in our house. And Damon started to meet other people from the church. And, um, and I think we always had this joke about the Christians that they wear sandals and eat yogurt. <laughs> and I think that was the big picture that we have very much. And um, so he soon started to see that people actually were quite normal. And uh, yeah. yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> so, uh, so, so just to sort of move along. So in time, obviously, he came to his own faith, his own place of faith. How, how long did that take? Yeah, well, that was... Um, Oh, yeah, well, he got his sandals and loves yogurt <laughs> now. But, um, <laughs> um, but no, um, Damon went in, uh, we went to Stonely, and um, in Stonely, Damon with the Kai Miller was running then the um, Just Looking course. And in that Just Looking course, he, he did make a commitment in you, but you didn't think that it was real, but like I was. And, and he said, no, I haven't done it from the heart. I don't think that is uh, real. And... So Damon did the Alpha course as well, and then nothing happened yet. But uh, one after that Alpha course, Chris Gilby called Damon and said, that, well, we're just having a Holy Spirit Day. Would you like to come to the Holy Spirit Day on, of this uh, current Alpha? So we went there together with Damon on that one Saturday morning, and um, in a coffee break, then that's when Damon prayed the prayer, and um, it was official then. I think it happened, happened earlier as well. But, uh, so lots of prayers and patience over that, that time. Was, that, yeah, I that, mean, it took about two years, all mm. that time it took with us. And, um, mm. yeah. But that's not the end of the story, is it? Because, in a sense, that's, that's just the beginning of the story. Uh, you, you seem to have a natural gift at reaching out to people. Wow. Uh, and I think that's based out of your own experience, isn't it? So do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what, what's that about, reaching out to those around you? Oh, well. I'm not sure about the natural gift, but um, I, I do. I love meeting people, and um, and not long ago I was listening to this sermon. And it was talking about the pain, and it said every time you go through the pain or hardship, you will be you get the gift. And it was just it was mainly meaning when the scripture says that God comforts us, so we can comfort others. And when you go through your pains, then you obviously you are much more empath- empathetic towards other people and. Um, and I think experiencing loneliness and rejection and other, yeah, we all have not, nothing too major, but all the lit, even little um, hardships we um, go through, there's always something can come out of it. So um, I think it's easier to understand people when you have had some harder times sometimes. So how does that, how do you work that out? Give us an example. We've talked about your neighbours. How, how does that work itself out with your neighbour? Oh, yeah, um... Oh, we're talking about the partic- one particular neighbour of mine, and it goes very close to my own story because of, um, she moved down um, neighbourhood, and um, and she was new. They moved from the north, and they didn't know many. This is Helen, my friend, and um, they did um, really lovely. We meet meet up with the coffee quite a few times, and um, and as they had the little children, I said, "Do you want to go in the tots and tinies?" <laughs> so. Um, so she said, oh, I would love to do that. And um, so I asked if, if she wanted me to come with her. So we went to Total Group. 
Because your, your children weren't going anymore, they, they'd grown up, hadn't no, they? No, not anymore that time. I think they were about 15 and 17 or something on that time. So, But you, yeah. went, you went along with her anyway? Yeah, so, I mean, that just comes back to the thing that you, you just... I just remember how scary it was going on my own in the first time, and I mm. just thought it would be much easier if you go with a friend. Mm. And, um, and That must have made an impact uh, on her. So how, how did your relationship with her develop after that? Yeah, we, well, actually, I have to say, we do not see that often. We catch up every now and then, which is lovely. But I think God, has, God is amazing. Like, when I was there, I had such a team of people around me. God just put the friends around you. And with Helen, it was amazing, because um, when when we went to that toddler group, she, she didn't have a school for the children. She was homeschooling on that time. So we, Candice Tilly, almost walked straight away on her, and they started talking, and in actually, on that same afternoon... Um, Candice's children went to uh, one of the Hursley schools and um, and uh, and she said, what, have you ever talked of Hursley school? And she said, no, I didn't even know about it. So even that afternoon after the dots and tinies, she straight away called to the school and she was in the, in, went to the interview and meet them and the children started the next week on, on that school. And it was not then, um, she also met Sandy, Sandy Duckan in the dots and tinies and um, and there was lots of others, Elbury and also others. But then soon after, they had to move, actually. We're not my neighbours any longer. But uh, funny enough, they found a new place. And it was almost next door to the Sandy. So um, she just moved from one neighbour to the other now. And I was yet connected to church. I think she's actually she helping with the ARC. Yeah, so she's helping with the ARC. They come to the church. <laughs> so, so it's like... It all comes it, full circle. Yeah, so yeah. it's just... things just yeah. But it all started because you went... To see her and befriend her. Yeah, I, got, I can't see like that, but yes, I suppose so. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's so. amazing. Yeah, uh, lots of different people involved. So, where else have you been able to share your faith? Uh, perhaps more recently than that. Yeah, well, I just recently I have another friend who we m- met in a workplace and um, a kind of work setting, and um, and also met regularly every now and then, and. Um, it, we have actually known for years now and just being good friends and, and mainly and um, in the other day I know she's very interested about all them but I, I have to say I'm not very good at talking about them I can tell what I've done and what else so she suddenly just asked out of the blue so tell me then what happened and um, I, I never planned that oh today when I'm going to meet her I am going to tell her my story or anything like that. It's just happened very naturally, and I just shared my testament, just I was telling you all earlier, and um, I don't know what, what happened there, but she's been she's been coming to church quite regularly, but not, not coming, I'm afraid, anymore. But that doesn't make any difference. We're just a friend, so... Mm. Yeah. So your friendship made the opportunity. Yeah. And that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, I'm, sure, you, I'm sure there's lots more you could tell. Did you want to say something? In, in yeah, no, I was just saying that, Sarah, when you share your story, was something what Steve was saying earlier, that when you share your story, there's nothing anybody can argue about it. And, and surprising people were quite interested anyway. I mean, she was very interested about what happened to me, and it wasn't something that you needed to argue about, though, is it true or not, because it's something what happens to you and something what Jesus done in your life. That's so. great. Tita, thank you so much for sharing your story with us tonight. Yeah. That's great encouragement. <laughs> This is Josh.
well done. That's it. Let's be friendly. And uh, if you don't know Josh, uh, I'll, I'll tease you with a bit. You can find out more. Josh is a trainee accountant Ooh, from Reading. Oh, and he's been in the church about three years or so. And you can find out more from him. But Josh... Tell us a little bit about your background, if you would, yeah, please. Yeah, sure thing. So um, I grew up in quite a kind of normalish family. It was very like Christian influence. I had a mum and dad. Um, they were from very different like Christian backgrounds, but um, we didn't like go to church or anything. So, um, but I had a brother and sister. Some of you probably know Esther. Um, she's my sister, and um, we yeah, in my family, like we would read the Bible together sometimes at like Christmas and Easter and like even sing together but I wouldn't say like I really found a faith whilst being in my family um I definitely like was taught some good values um but but yeah it was quite a like loving but quite strict environment and I kind of knew where the boundaries were and like to avoid them and I (laughs) 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 yeah Your older brother had worked that out, had he? Yeah, yeah. I could sort of take influence from my older siblings in that regard. But, but, but reading the Bible made an impression on you, didn't it? I yeah, know. yeah. Like especially um, reading the Easter story together, I really remember being like a young teenager and being really like, impacted by hearing about the Easter story. Okay. So going on, when you went to school, again, that made a, an impression on you as well, didn't it, in terms of, of faith? Right. So... Um, yeah, kind of. So I went to a Catholic secondary school, um, so I learned quite a bit about religion, um, but it was quite disconnected from daily life, so they were kind of two separate yeah. things. Yeah, but it did teach you some things, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but your experience when you moved to the sixth form again was, was a bit different to that, wasn't it? Yeah, so I went to uh, sixth form college in Basingstoke, and like, it was the first time I felt like I had really proper freedom um I kind of took advantage of that and probably like at that point went most off like the Christian rails I guess like I would have like said I was a Christian at the time but definitely wasn't and like um yeah it just became quite dishonest at home and sort of did what I liked but um towards the end of sixth form I met like this group of Christian friends they were like yeah, they were a great group of friends. They were very like, close to each other and very welcoming to me. Um, so they invited me along to Christian youth group, church youth group in Basingstoke, which I went along to for the, you know, the social. Yeah, but, um, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> but it was at that youth group that I actually first really heard the gospel message. Um, and, yeah, like realized that kind of it was a... Like Jesus is someone who actually like, applies to our day-to-day life now, rather than just being kind of like a religious historical figure. Or, okay, so, yeah. so there's a shift taking place in your understanding. So, yeah. And what did that create in you? What did that, that do? In um, you? So yeah, as I say, like I sort of for the first time, kind of saw the difference between external acts and like kind of I guess legalism and actually like a change of heart and like what grace was I remember hearing about grace and being really like that's like following Jesus about sticking to things like how can you say that but yeah so it was kind of like where I first learned about grace and like it sort of gave me a desire to learn more about God at that point. So God was clearly on your case Uh, so what happened next? Um, So a cousin had con- like this is summer 2012. A cousin contacted me, and he lives in a Christian community called the Bruderhof. Um, 
and he was over in the States, and he invited me over to this um, Bible conference, kind of Bible study weekend thing they were doing. Um, I was really keen to go to America, and so that was probably a big reason for me to go, but also I um, yeah, wanted to learn more about the Bible. And Except such, that so. you, you went to the Bible study weekend without something, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I, um, <coughs> I didn't actually uh, take a Bible. <laughs> <laughs> So you really wanted to go to America. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what happened when you got there? Um, so yeah, I spent some time living at the Bruderhof and also went to that Bible study. Um, and yeah, I was really impacted by the like, amazing lives these Christians shared with each other. They lived together and shared everything and also just the joy with which they did that and the joy that they lived for Jesus. And I remember, um, yeah, that kind of Bible conference thing, like hearing about what it is to live for Jesus and just being struck again by the how it's such a high calling and it's such a like heart change not like Jesus like changes our hearts so much rather than being like about our kind of outward behaviors so much mm. yeah. so that was a high point yes uh, yeah. but when you got back home that was a bit of a low point yeah so I came home like really striving to like learn more about Jesus and like wanted to know him more and like I guess at this point I started to um but when I got home things were pretty tough at home um like our family went through quite a hard time and like sort of got quite divided um there were a few other things like a relationship I'd been pursuing came to an end and like hard like the thing that was most kind of life-changing I guess at that time was that I didn't get the results I needed in A-levels um and so was unable to get to the uni I wanted to go to um there was only one uni that would take me and that was Winchester (laughs) no you see that that to me doesn't sound like such a bad thing but there was something about it that every student dreads wasn't there um so yeah my sister Esther was at uni here as well (laughs) he loves you really (laughs) okay but how did you pursue your faith journey when you when you did arrive here Um, what what did what happened so it took me quite a while to settle around here probably um I was still going to the youth group in Basingstoke and by this point like I came to uni definitely like knowing Jesus at this point I didn't have like an moment kind of mm-hmm. thing where I like prayed the prayer or anything like that but I knew that I wanted to live for Jesus and I like was developing a faith and it was very small but like um so I was still going to the youth group in Basingstoke but I also went to the Christian Union um mm-hmm. didn't go to church but um Christian Union was great like it's where um yeah there was just a bunch of people who were genuinely living for Jesus like had genuine faith and I think, um, yeah, that but you, was... you didn't think the church was quite like that, did you? Yeah, so, yeah, people at CU really encouraged me to go to church, but for me that was, like, I wasn't keen. I thought, like, normal Sunday churches, like, this, were full of, like... Um, go on, say it. Sun, Sunday Christians, like, kind of... <laughs> Hypocrites. Yeah. That was what you said like, to yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and at yeah, this, so so you had a bit of an issue there. So at this yeah. point, this is your beloved sister actually came to your help, didn't she? Yeah. So um, <laughs> at that time, I would yeah, like Esther only lived two minutes walk from my house, so obviously we knew each other quite well. And so I'd go around and talk to her about problems and having grown up, she wouldn't understand very well, and she was also kind of seeking at the time. Um, so. We decided one day, she actually had a housemate that came here occasionally, we decided one Sunday to come along. 
So we did. And and what, they're quite broad-minded. What did you think of it? I'm not doing very well, but I didn't really like it. Um. (laughs) Brace yourselves. (laughs) I don't know. So the thing I found, I found it quite hard. I thought that it wasn't like proper church. I thought... (laughs) You hear that? (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, so I found like worship quite hard, but there were definitely people like with genuine faith here, but and like I liked the teaching and definitely found it challenging and like I grew in my faith, but like that kind of goes on because at first I wasn't going to come back, but um, again Esther sort of persuaded me to come back, um, so we did oh. continue to, yeah, um, and yeah that's pretty much it i think oh yeah so i sort of settled down a bit here but i viewed it as quite a temporary thing like i was like yeah i'll I'll come here for now it's sort of it's like yeah okay (laughs) so you you struggled on because community continued to attract you didn't it it was something that you felt drawn to the whole idea of community yeah so shortly after that i actually went to america again i have quite a thing for that but um i went and lived at an amish farm um, with an Amish community and um, got quite involved there um, and again I was very like struck, at that point I'd probably only been coming for WinFam for about five six months so I was quite like quite fresh faced, quite fresh to church but I went out there and um, was yeah again quite struck by their struck faith it. and like just their, it was part of their whole life and it just seemed so right and like joyful in there and how, how struck yeah. were you? You actually yeah. thought um, about Yeah, so I came back and was pretty keen to probably join. Like, that was genuinely a thing, or to join the Breeder Hope. Like, I thought I probably would at some point. But, um, yeah, circumstances sort of changed, and, like, God was definitely working in that, and, like, it became not a, not a thing. And okay. I, now I'm here. So you settled here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you finally made it through baptism? Yeah, so, yeah, John sort of up with me at one point and <laughs> I finally took that step too. Yes. So when you actually look back on your story, I mean what what is it you see? What is it you notice about your story? Um I really like see that even when I didn't realise it, like God was using my circumstances and putting people in my life like at every step that had such an impact and like really guided me towards Jesus even when Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have known it. Mm. And that heart you have for community, are you are you finding that you're able to meet that here amongst people? Um, Yeah, mostly. Like, I've got some really good friends here, which is like the most important thing. And yeah, so it's good. It is it is great here, by the way. Let me just clarify. (laughs) Be kind to him, Josh. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. Okay, so we're doing the act now bit for following Jesus. Um, In the passage that Steve was looking at right at the beginning in John 9, um, the man tells the people what happened, what he had witnessed, what he experienced, as well as saying that he didn't know the answer to their question as well. And in Acts 1 verse 8, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So kind of drawing out from that that we are God's witnesses. You, you and I, we're all God's witnesses. 
And just like the man in John 9 told the people what had happened, what he had witnessed, God doing his life, actually we can do the same to the people around us. We can be a witness and tell other people what God has done in our lives. So in a minute, in pairs, you're just going to think about when you became a Christian or over the last few years, over the last month or even the last week. It could even be today. Um, so thinking about further back, but also much more recently, your response to the question, as a witness, what have you seen and experienced God do in your life? Okay, there's some sheets on your table. I'm going to give you some examples in a minute, just as a prompt that you might want to look at in a minute, because sometimes I like to look at something written down. Um, so as you're kind of thinking about that question, as a witness, what have you seen and experienced God do in your life? You might think about what has God done in your life? How has knowing Jesus changed you? How have you seen God's goodness or faithfulness in your life? Is there an area you've struggled with or a lie that you've believed where God has brought you freedom and truth and set you free? What have you seen God do in the lives of your friends or the people around you, your family? And so some examples that I've got from various people I've asked, um, maybe you kind of didn't really like what you look like, uncomfortable with who you are, but now you love how you look, you're confident with who you are, you're happy with God, how God made you. Maybe you drank a pint or a glass of wine every night after work and it was your way of coping and kind of de-stressing, but actually you've got a peace in your day and you don't need that anymore. Maybe you've always been anxious and fearful about getting ill and now you don't worry because God's given you a peace. Maybe God's given you money and um, provided you with a job and finances. Um, someone else said, I used to be very shy, now I'm bold and courageous. I prayed for a colleague at work who had a broken shoulder and he was surprised how quickly it healed. Maybe family relationships have been restored because you've prayed. Um, someone else I know who's really ill, but it's her faith. It's God that is giving her strength and peace and hope. And that's being a real witness to people and her work colleagues. Maybe your washing, my washing machine stopped working once and I prayed and it started working again. Somebody else, I tried for two years to get pregnant and a friend prayed for me and I was soon pregnant. There is so much that we've got in our lives. So just for a couple of minutes in pairs, just to think about as a witness, what have you seen and experienced God doing your life? And then we'll come back together again. So just for a couple of minutes, off you go. Okay, we are moving quite quickly just because of time tonight. So hopefully you've begun to start to unpack as a witness what have you seen and experienced God do in your life. And I just want to encourage you to think about that as you're driving back in your car. Kind of maybe tomorrow be thinking about it. Actually, how can you answer that question maybe when you're at work and talking to friends and colleagues? I just want to encourage you as well that as you're telling stories, like Tita was saying earlier in her testimony, actually as you tell stories, they change the culture. Um, As you talk about what you've witnessed God do in your life, it's going to shift the culture and the atmosphere that you're in. And a friend of mine did that work recently and the whole atmosphere in the office changed as she was telling a bit of a God story of something she'd witnessed um, God do. So it's good to tell some stories and, and good to share what God's done in your life. So we're going to move on to Acts later. Um, so as Christians, we are God's ambassadors and we should be representing him well by showing people around us that God cares for them, that he is full of compassion and that he loves them. And actually out of that, love is the point. You know, God's kindness, God's love leads us to repentance. This is that in Romans 2. I just want you to, um, for a couple of seconds, just to ask God, or just to think about who has God placed around you to love? 
So just on your own right now, you might want to shut your eyes, keep your eyes open, jot down some names. I want to encourage you to jot down some names that come to mind. But actually, who's God placed around you to love? It might be people, places, family, friends, work colleagues, um, you know, the homeless guy you might pass in, in town each day on your way. But who has God placed around you to love? And just ask God to remind you of some people or some places and then just jot them down. You might have one name, you might have a few, there might be a few more that come to mind um, for the, you know, as you're kind of driving home later tonight. Um, but just thinking about those people, and I want you to just ask Holy Spirit, what does love look like for that person, for those people? Maybe just think about how you can love them. What does love look like in this situation? How can you demonstrate love? How can you show them that they have value? How can you best love that person? And it might be a hug, it might be buying a coffee, it might be praying for them, it might be listening to them and then asking them how they're doing. It might be helping them paint a room, helping them move house, an encouraging word, a meal cooked for them. It could be all sorts of different things. So just right now, just ask Holy Spirit, what does love look like for that person, those people I've written down? And then maybe jot that down as well. I think sometimes Holy Spirit can show us something different that we hadn't expected. Maybe it's someone you hadn't thought about that's kind of in your in your, in your area or in your sphere that to love. Or maybe it's something different that you hadn't thought about and a way to kind of love them that's maybe a bit out of the box or, or how they need to be loved. And just with the person next to you and the pairs you were just talking to, I just want you to share about how you can love those people well. So what has the Holy Spirit, you know... Um, spoken to you about maybe just unpack for a minute a little bit more about what love looks like for that person or in that situation and then we're going to move on for the last little bit okay what we have just been doing tonight together you can keep working through by yourself. You can do it as a community group. You can take a verse, a passage, a psalm, and, and in a few minutes you can draw out some of the wonderful things from the gospel that we can be a witness to. Um, it's not easy to be witnesses in a world that's antagonistic towards God. And if we're going to do it, we're going to need to be intentional. Um, we need to know what the Bible says about salvation. We need to love what the Bible says. We need to enjoy what it means to be a Christian and what God's done in our lives. We need to be delighted to share the good things that he's done for us. We need to be, always be ready to talk about what God's done for us. And so you can take uh, some time to think about uh, what we've been talking about tonight. And over a week or two, you can stir yourselves up by yourself or in your community group. I want you to take a moment just to think about what are you going to take away with you tonight? What is it you're going to take away with you tonight? Just take a moment just to reflect, what am I going to take away with me tonight? As we finish our series following Jesus, we're going to do something together. Okay, I want... Ten of you uh, to pick up your chairs and come and bring them to the front. Ten people, pick up a chair, bring your chair with you and come. I want you to make a row of chairs with the backs to the screen behind me and link them together. So ten people, come and, put, and stand behind your chair. Okay? 
link them together. Okay, Barry is now going to pick a victim, uh, a person. Okay, and so Barry is going to blindfold this person. Military precision. Barry is going to help them to get on the first chair. And uh, it's your responsibility. Each person is going to help Sean walk across these chairs and pass them on to the next person. So without him falling off and breaking a leg or something like that. Okay, so can we do that? So the aim is for Sean to walk across. Okay. Okay. Now, listen. I want. I want you to. I want you to get this. Okay. This is just a visual image that I want. I want to remain with you. It may reflect just one person's story of coming to faith. They're blind to God. They meet Barry through CAP, Christians Against Poverty. There are numerous people who help them along the way, befrienders. They have a daughter who comes to a holiday club that's been organized by Tory and her team. The mum comes along and meets lots of people. They start coming to the ark. They're invited to Alpha. They come to church. They do a discovery break with CAP and respond to the gospel and get baptized. Many, many people will be links along the chain of the bridge of them coming to faith. They are blind to God, but each person is just has to be a link in the chain. You are just a witness. You are just one person helping them along the way. You just need to remember that every person you meet, you want to leave them with a positive encounter of having met with someone who loves Jesus Christ. And who knows what God will do through us as a group of people as we do that. I really hope that you've enjoyed this series of following Jesus. I hope you've been stirred and provoked in your faith. Each one of us are called to follow Jesus. Each one of us can be a witness. Each one of us can be a link in a chain of someone coming to faith. Let's pray that God would use us to see many come to faith. I'm just going to finish and pray as we finish. God, we are before you tonight and we ask, oh God in heaven, that you would help us be effective witnesses for you that reach this community around. Help us, help our contacts, friends, neighbours, people that we work with come one step closer to you. Help us be effective witnesses for your son's glory. Amen.